how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Gregory Allen Howard's cousin actually introduced him to what was beneath the movies. While his cousin wasn't in the business per se, he taught Howard that there was so much more underneath the surface of something he previously viewed as pure entertainment or even escapism. Over the years, the screenwriter used his voice to write and create stories from the Titans, Ali and Harriet. The latest film uncovers the extraordinary tale of Harriet Tubman's escape from slavery and transformation into one of America's greatest heroes. In this interview, Howard discusses a conversation with John Woo about how to write the male weepy, why Michael Mann wanted Ali to be R-rated, how it took 25 years to get Harriet made, and why persistence is the key to a long screenwriting career. If you enjoyed this interview, look for the print version on Creative Screenwriting's website and join thousands of viewers for the new YouTube video essay series, also called Creative Principles, on YouTube. You know, I started very early that I want, right after graduation, I wanted to be a screenwriter. And, you know, it's really my love of movies. My cousin introduced me to movies. What, what, what was it? What I'll say is, what was underneath the movies? In other words, up until, you know, a certain point, you just go to movies, you see him, you like him, you don't. But my cousin, um, who wasn't in the business at all, he was a counselor, you know, gave me all this background on movies, and I was fascinated by that. So, you know, I I wanted to be a writer. I didn't really know anything about the business. I mean, I could have said I wanted to be an XYZ. But, you know, back in the day, you know, that was... I thought that was an entry point, and you know, more importantly, I think everyone becomes a writer because they have something to say, and I had something to say. What were some of those movies you connected with on that deeper level? Do you have any examples? You want to know the first one? I, I, I don't know how many people have seen it. Ride the High Country. That was the first first movie. It was an old Randolph Scott western. And my cousin, before I watched the movie, you know, we saw it on TV. Um, he gave me all this background, how Randolph Scott, you know, almost played the other role and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's themes in this you need to look at. And, you know, they will come out. They will, they don't articulate the themes. It's just something you see. You know, he, he really sort of got me all pumped up for the movie. In other words, I just looked at Westerns before that. You know, good guy in a white hat shoots a bad guy in a black hat. I didn't you know, themes and westerns and all that. I just, you know, wow. Randall Scott was kind of one of the, he was usually the good guy there, right, back then? Yeah, that's right. And they switched roles, him and, he and Gary Cooper, before the filming. 
which sometimes in play in plays in two handers, sometimes they'll switch things up, and they switch you know beforehand, and um, you know whatever they did, it worked. And then I looked at I looked at it in a different context, and so that was that was certainly one of the you know one of the first ones that I looked at and said, wow, hmm, a western that. You know, I started looking at them in a broader sense. That and the fact that I grew up with an actress. You know, my sister was a Shakespearean actress. And so I had an introduction to performing arts, not movies, but performing arts when I was young. I mean, I started reading Shakespeare when I was in uh, middle school. Didn't understand it, but started reading. So I'd like to say, I, you know, my, I come to writing uh, steeped in classics. What do you like about writing? Like, what do you look for? It seems like if I'm just looking at Remember the Titans and Ali and, and Harriet, you're looking for either uh, historical fiction or something you can kind of write about and, and kind of um, you already kind of know what the world's going to be about and you're putting some characters into that world. How do you kind of see your, your big picture um, themes and things like that? I just try in, in, in what I write is to make a connection. You know, in other words, I look for something human. And it doesn't matter what genre it's in. The only genre I really can't stand is horror, because I don't understand it and I feel it's manipulative. But every other genre, you know, if you boil down the best of a certain genre, it's because it's about human beings and, you know, and it makes a connection. And so, you know, if I'm connected to it emotionally, then I can do it. And I can do it well. You know, because that's really what I go for. You know, I had an interview with, uh, I guess you call it an interview. John Woo called me in, you know, and I said, wow, what an honor. I said, I, I wish I could do that, that that stylized act. I wish I could write for you. I said, but, you know, I know my limits creatively, and I, I can't do what you do. He said, oh, no, no, you don't understand. He said, I go to movies to cry. I said, so do I. He said, you write the male weepy. And I've never heard anybody characterize it better than this marvelous action director, John Wu. You write the male weepy. And so, you know, we got together and tried to, you know, do one of those male weepies. You know, it ended up not going forward, but nevertheless, I was, I was kind of surprised. What do you see, like, in hindsight now, if we're talking about maybe Ali and Remember the Titans? I mean, there definitely are, like, those touching. They're sports movies. Um, they're, you know, underdog comeback stories in some sense. What, what are some of your, what's kind of the formula maybe to those movies? If I have a formula, I try not to be formulaic. It's, uh, you know, triumph of the underdog. You're never wrong if you're writing an underdog movie. Now you have to disguise it so that it doesn't seem formulaic. You gotta, you know, but by and large, I'm for the underdog. I mean, both in my personal life, in my political life, and in my artistic life, I'm for, you know, that schlub who wins. That 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 never gets old, ever. <laughs> okay, I don't really know how to write that much about, you know, kings, people on top. I'm 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 for that. Uh, what Jackie Gleason used to refer to a mope <laughs> for the mopes. Do you see a, a big difference in, in Titans and Ali? I know I think Ali was rated R, Michael Mann film. Remember, Titans was more in the Disney sports realm. They, they feel very similar in hindsight. Do you see a big difference in maybe the rating system of those movies? Or are they geared for different audiences? Not really. 
I can give you some insight into the rating. Michael Mann didn't want to release a PG-13 movie. So he put a few words of profanity in to get an R, to get a, get an R rating. It wasn't necessary because Ali didn't curse. But he did it intentionally because he didn't want a Michael Mann movie being released PG-13. He doesn't make that kind of stuff. He makes edgy stuff. Not only did Ali never curse, all those Muslims around him never cursed. So there was, you know, obviously Bodini did. But, you know, there was no particular reason. You know, there wasn't any gratuitous sex in it or anything. There was no particular reason. It could have been released PG-13. Did that make a difference in the box office? I doubt it. You know, I, I doubt it. I think it could have, you know, if he had used more of my script instead of just the story, I think it would have connected better, but, you know. Yeah, I remember the the thing that stands out in Ali for me, the I guess the F word, is usually used to be powerful in films, and it's when he's telling him to, to say his name once he's changed his name in the story. So I can understand, I guess thematically, you know, or to make that a little bit more intense, to to drop that there, you know, even though it wasn't really his uh, normalities. Well, tell, tell me a little bit about Harriet. Kind of where did that get started? How long have you been working on this story? And why is, like, now the best time to tell it? Well, I originally wrote Harriet 25 years ago. And uh, it was my very first assignment. I had just gotten into the business. And Trilogy Entertainment called me and said, we want to do this Harriet Tubman movie. I said, you don't have to tell me about Harriet Tubman. That was Harriet was one of the reasons that I became a screenwriter. I made... You know, I, I, I set up Mount Rushmore of black icons, and I said, she's one of the ones I want to write about. So it was kismet when they called me in. And I said, now, listen, I have a little different take. I don't want to write a history lesson because I wouldn't pay to see it. I want to write an action-adventure area and turn her into a, you know, action hero. They didn't call them superheroes then, back 25 years ago. But I said an action hero. You know, he said, you want to make an action movie? of?" Uh, I said, yeah, that's what I pay to see. I'm not going to pay to see a history lesson. I just won't. I, I get bored easily. He said, well, you know, go for it. They didn't care because they weren't paying me that much. I was only getting a little bit above the Writer's Guild minimum. They they couldn't have cared less. You know, you want to take a, take a flyer? Go ahead. And, uh, you know, I turned the script in, and they sent me a bottle of champagne, which shocked me, but found out later that, they did that because they loved the script. I never got another bottle of champagne my whole career. <laughs> and that really that really never changed. The fact that, you know, Harry then called Freedom Fire was going to be about a heroic, uh, you know, black woman, little black woman is almost a superhero. That never changed. And, and it couldn't. It's like you had a choice. You can do this or you can make a history lesson. And so... You know, and it didn't really go through many incarnations. As a matter of fact, it stayed the same. Not a word was changed for a long, long time, for over 20 years, you know, when, um, you know, I found a producing partner. I tried to get it made, but it just, it wasn't going to happen. You know, it just wasn't the, you know, I've written about this. The whole climate in Hollywood had to change for that movie to get made because, you know, no one is brave in Hollywood. And if someone 10 years ago had made Harriet, um, they might have been fired before the movie was released. And nobody was that brave, you know. So the whole environment and climate in Hollywood had to change so that somebody could take a chance and, um, 
you know, because I, I respect these executives now. You know, you're risking your your uh, your job and maybe your career if you pick the wrong movie. And that fear tends to chill people. So I have a better understanding now than I did, and I'd get angry and frustrated. But, you know, I just kept changing the date on the script. Yeah, I just finished this. I just finished this two years ago. I just finished this six months ago, you know. Because nobody in Hollywood wants to read an old script. By old, I mean over a year. You know, if they, if they get a script, that damn thing better be in the year that, it, you know, the year they're reading it better be the year on the script. Even two years, they might go, well, something must be wrong. Something is not necessarily wrong. It isn't. It's just, you know, it's it's women fancy whether somebody even makes a movie. You know, it's luck. Yeah, I've heard nobody gets fired for saying no. So it's it's the ones they say yes about the projects that they they worry about and everything else. Yeah, no one's ever no one's ever I don't think been fired for for passing. I don't think, you know, no. So tell me how. So if you were doing a, a you know a full life bio, there's lots of tent poles to hit for your story. But once you choose to do more of an action based. You're obviously going to hit kind of the underground railroad and those type of things. What, what did you aim for? What was like? What's what's the uh, length of time we see on the film? Our audiences are going to see, and how did you kind of make it the most interesting way possible? Well, you know, again, I wanted to make her escapes. You know, the action, those those set pieces. I wanted to make those exciting. You know, so you so you see that this little woman you know, leading people out of bondage, you know, and that, that's the exciting part. And the Underground Railroad shows they had a structure involved to do this. And, you know, what Harriet did in a very real sense, obviously John Brown was the trigger, but, you know, what Harriet did uh, was also a trigger for the Civil War because it was, you know, it was providing hope to the slaves, not just the ones in and around Maryland, but, you know, throughout the slaveholding states is a little frightening, you know, when the state slaves started bailing because they had opportunities to bail. You know, I'm not saying like in the deep south, that would have been a hell of a hell of a thing to try and get out of the deep south. But some of them did, you know, on occasion they did. So what Harriet did reverberated throughout the south. It was, you know, she what she did played really large, and I wanted to you know, capture how she was inspiring people. What kind of advice do you have for maybe that attrition that you have, like for other people who maybe have a script and they're updating it in small pieces and changing the year? Is it is it more about waiting for the right time, or or what do you kind of see? What inspired you to keep hanging on to making this movie? My my superpower is not uh, tremendous talent. There are many writers who are much better than me. I'm good, but, you know, there are some who are really great. But my superpower is uh, persistence. <laughs> I, just, I just refuse to give up. I mean, I will go through hell and high water if I believe in something, and it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. I just refuse to give up. And my advice to my fellow writers is, you know, these are your babies, your children. Fight for them. If you believe in it, fight for them. And that passion will ignite people. And the fact that you're fearless will also ignite people. And um, 
You know, that's it. I think, I think, you know, the death and the reason I would leave the business, if I was like some, if I, if I were like some of these writers who just phone it in and don't care and just take paychecks, I'd never do that. I just wouldn't. If I didn't care passionately, I'd just leave. I'd go, go do something else because I just, you know, I believe in the stuff I do and they are my children and I fight for them and I'm no apologies. And I'm, Never too proud to beg for him and fight for him. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.com.